Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. I love what God's doing in our church. I love the presence of God. And, uh, you know, this morning I was thinking during worship, just the, the, you know, God was known to dwell in Jerusalem, but he was in the, he was at the temple in a greater degree than he was in Jerusalem. And he was in a greater degree, his presence was greater inside the Holy of Holies than in just the temple in general. And, uh, you know, it's, so there's varying levels of the presence of God and, that we can get into. We know that the presence of God, he's omnipresent, he's everywhere, but he's more here. His presence is more manifest here than it is at the bar down the road. Uh, not to say that he can't manifest his presence there, but we know that he's here in, in a more manifest way at this time. You know, so there's levels of his presence. And, um, you know, it's pictured, Ezekiel pictured this really well. In uh, Ezekiel 47, the different levels of the river, and the same is true of his presence, that there's varying levels or degrees of his presence, and I just sense that we just keep going a little bit deeper, a little bit deeper, and uh, I would just keep encouraging everyone to launch out into the deep, and just keep keep pressing in, keep launching out into the river of his presence, and uh, God's got awesome things in store ahead of us, but God's doing great things right now. And uh, we've, you know, we've had every week people who have made decisions for Christ, and uh, it's exciting. We have every, I think we've had, well, I don't even want to start giving the numbers because I don't remember off the top of my head, but I know that, um, I know that we've had significant numbers of people being affected by the presence of God. So that's what we want. That's what we want. So uh, I don't know where everybody is tonight that's been coming that's not here, but thank you for those of you that are here, and uh, we're going to enjoy tonight's teaching. I was sharing um, with Lester and Vicki and, and others, so we're doing evangelism explosion uh, right now through the summer, uh, but I, I personally have an interest, and I know that there's an interest in the church as well, uh, to continue this teaching on Sunday nights, um, so we're, we're thinking about that and what that looks like. But it looks like our next series, if, if we proceed in the fall, I'm going to do a series on identifying your, your spiritual gifts, your personality, and your, your leadership style within those, and your ministry style within those. So what all that looks like, you know, if you have a certain personality, how does that interact with people around you? And then what's the effect of your spiritual gifts? What are your spiritual gifts, and how do your spiritual gifts interact with your personality? So, um, for example, if you are, let's just, uh, we'll pick on somebody, I don't know who, but we'll randomly pick on somebody tonight when I say this. Uh, if you're a high D, D are very dominant personalities. If you're a high D with a prophetic gifting, um, your prophetic gifting tends, you can run over people. You can be very, very bold and very direct, which is good, but almost too aggressive and turn people off with your boldness. 
And so how do you temper down your prophetic gifting in combination with that personality? So those are the kinds of things we'll take a look at in that teaching. So I'm excited about that. More information will come as we get closer to, and we're obviously a couple months off from that. But anyway, let's pray. Lord, I just thank you tonight for another great evening, Lord, that we can come and uh, dive into your word, Father, and 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 fellowship together, to learn together, grow together. Lord, I just pray that you would uh, make these tools uh, very crystal clear for us tonight so that we can evangelize with effective, uh, effectiveness, Lord, that we can um, handle your word, handle the gospel, handle the ministry of reconciliation that you've given us with due diligence and responsibility. And Lord, we just thank you, Father, for all that you're doing in our church and our community. Lord, let it increase. Lord, expand, expand and increase our ability to impact this community, to glorify Christ in the middle of a dark generation. Lord, in the middle of dry places, Lord, that you would cause rivers of living water to spring forth in the desert places. And Lord, we just thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, tonight we had our intern meeting, and one of the assignments that I had given our interns was I want you to go and I want you to find the history of revival and Pentecost in Akron. So we've started, uh, this evening we started going through that, and we're, we are going to put together a, uh, a book. Uh, it's obviously going to take some time to put this together, but I, this is like the fourth book that I have in the making right now. But uh, we're going to put together a study on Pentecost uh, in the spiritual heritage from a Pentecostal perspective here in the Akron area. I'm not aware of anything like that that exists. Matter of fact, it's actually been a little difficult in finding that history. And uh, I know some of our interns went out. They did a lot of research online. Kathy had gone to the library. So there's a, there's a lot of legwork that's having to take place to find these details. But... Um, we want to get your, I know like Don Lee was at uh, Catherine Kuhlman's meetings and, and Bob and others. So if you were involved in those meetings, please let us know because we want to get your story and make that a part of written record in our research. Um, Jewel Dean, I know, also was there as a, as a child, as a teenager. So all of those things are important. We want to make sure that we get that written down and uh, create that that legacy. So help us out with that. So you can see myself, Pastor Joe, Kathy, Bob, uh, Jen, uh, any of our interns can help you with that. So anyway, well, how many of you went home and found some scriptures for your five friend focus? Anybody got any verses that you found? Yeah. Um, John 3.16. John 3.16. Okay, what's obviously, hopefully we all know John 3.16. But what's Psalm say? I'm gonna obviously I'm gonna poke you and get the Bible out. So get your Bibles handy if you have a scripture. Yeah, but he's not up there. Amen. Psalm 63. It's awesome. Anyone else? Leon, did you have one?
First John 5.13? Yes. Awesome. We're getting a microphone so everybody can hear the scriptures. Sorry. Debbie's got a scripture. What's your, what's your scripture? 1 Peter 2.9. 1 Peter 2.9. But you are chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, oops, sorry, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Awesome. Anyone else? Scripture that God's given you for your five friends, your focus, scriptures, promises you're praying over your family or friends. Coming to the back. Excuse me. I'm going to climb over you here. Jeremiah 29, 11, which is one of my favorites, uh, too. It's, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Awesome. Then Great. you will call upon me. Yep, keep <laughs> like going. The next one. <laughs> then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Awesome. Love that. Anyone else? Scripture that you're praying for a friend or family. Those are great verses. So I would encourage you uh, to get those scripture verses and, and write them out either on an index card or put them somewhere, you know, post a note, whatever. And pray those scriptures over your friends, over your family on a daily basis. Amen. Y'all out there, pray over them on a daily basis for your friends and for your family. And uh, just believe God for them. Who knows what God will do? You know, one of the things I'm even I'm, I'm considering doing, and I don't know how we would do this yet, and the, I haven't even mentioned this to the staff yet, um, so they might be a little surprised by this, but even, even creating some sort of a prayer wall or altar for prayer, you know, prayer requests that people can come and bring their friends and families written out and stick them so we can pray over them on a regular basis. But, um, but I would encourage you, make that a priority, make that a focus for your, uh, for your life. All right, so we're going to take a look at this evening presenting the gospel, the, uh, the means of presenting the gospel, how to do it. And, and there's so many ways. There's, nothing, there's no right or wrong necessarily to this. Uh, but I would just want to give you a, a guide, an outline, a resource to help you as you share the gospel. And we're going to practice tonight. Everybody gets to practice sharing their story this evening. So there in your notes, abbreviated outline. So let's take a look at this. First, when you approach someone and you begin to share your faith with them, uh, obviously the goal is personal evangelism. Now, not every situation you're going to be put in is personal evangelism where you know the person. It's, it's uh, friendship evangelism is another term. You're not always going to know the person. But generally speaking, when you're engaging in evangelism with, with someone, um, develop the conversation. You want to develop a relationship, friendship with them. And then you begin to uh, have this conversation with the intention of presenting the gospel, presenting Christ. And, um, you know, that takes on a lot of different forms, a lot of different fashions. But the first thing you can talk about in getting to know this person is their secular life. What is their life like? Obviously, they're not uh, they don't have Christ in their life. What do they do? What are their hobbies? What are their interests? Um, and as you begin to get to know this person, this can be a series of conversations that's had as you get to know them. It might even be one conversation if it's someone that you're just meeting, but get to know them. For example, 
you know, street ministry is a great place for this. As you're out on the streets and you're ministering to people, it's a little bit different here. Uh, but in New Orleans, um, it was very easy. I'll give you, I'm speaking from personal examples, but in New Orleans, it's very easy because everybody's out. Uh, in the French Quarter, you can go to the French Quarter and everybody's out walking around and most of the people are out walking with their alcoholic beverage in hand. And uh, you have a lot of tourists. In the French Quarter, there's a lot of tourists. Matter of fact, most of the evangelism that you see taking place in the quarter does not result in church growth because it's mostly tourists. Most of the people that are there are from out of state, out of town. And so the, the, the results of that evangelism are often very, uh, you don't see the long-term results because people are leaving and going out. But here's a little different. Um, go find those uh, concerts, you know, or movies in the park and all those things, uh, whether it's at the, the uh, metro parks, you're going out, whatever. Find those areas where people gather and go out there. Now, here's, here's a simple, simple, simple idea that you can take and, and use this. Figure out where people hang out. Where are the people going for fun? And get a group of people together, get, a, get someone who's got a guitar, who can play acoustic guitar or whatever, you know, whatever, whatever the talent, the skill is, go out in a small group, go out to where those areas of people are, set up shop, and just play, just worship, sing, talk, hang out, and attract a crowd. And you'll notice that as you begin to attract a crowd, people will come up and it will give you an opportunity to begin to talk with people. Y'all follow what I'm saying? So start very simple. We're not saying you have to do anything complex. Maybe, you know, maybe you're like, well, I don't really do the whole sit around hippie thing where we all play the guitar and sing Kumbaya <laughs> and the crowds come up. Hey, that's fine. Uh, go door to door. Consider going door to door and, and approach people that way and say, hey, I, you know, my name's Don. I live down the road and I'm just out, you know, seeing if I can pray for people for anything. Is there anything that I can be praying for you about? And just start the conversation that way. And uh, they may say something along the lines of, well, you can pray for my family. Oh, really? What's, you know, is there anything particular that I can be praying for your family about? Ask questions. Get them talking about their life, their secular life. Get them talking about their life. When people come up and approach your kumbaya group or whatever, you know, whatever it is, um, have, have people that are designated, you know, obviously you're all going to be doing personal evangelism there, but have people that are designated that as people approach the group, hey, your job is to pull them in to the group. Start conversation with them and get them to sit with you or hang out and you begin to develop that conversation and then you're systematically attacking people. You're systematically going after them and saying, hey, come in, be a part of our group. And then you develop the conversation, and then before you know it, you're presenting Christ. Uh, one of the things that we would do often, if you're, maybe you're not even comfortable playing and sitting, but just get a gr group of people together and just go pray. You know, it's interesting, we would do this uh, every now and then, we would get people together and just go stand right in the middle of Jackson Square on a, on a Friday night and pray. Well, that seems harmless, you know, but if you've ever been to New Orleans and know Jackson Square, Jackson Square on a Friday night is where everybody's at. It's the heart of the quarter, and it's, it's called Devil's Den for a reason. You have all the fortune tellers, you have all the wizards, everybody set up in this area. So when you go out in the middle and you start praying, 
you start to excite all of these other little friends that are sitting up, setting up shop around, around the area. And it doesn't even have to be anything big. I know there was a couple of times uh, we were out for a Mardi Gras outreach one time, and then another reason, I don't even remember what we were out there for other than evangelism. But as we began to pray, uh, people in our group uh, on both occasions, two separate occasions, two different groups of people, both heard one of the uh, fortune tellers that were sitting nearby say, those are real Christians. Um, so they know. So anyway, <laughs> anyway, so I would encourage you uh, to do that. Make it a habit uh, of going outside of your Christian world, your box, get out of the boat, and go find those heathen dogs and love on them. Strike up conversations with them, even if it's in your family. And so the first thing, get to know them. Ask them about their life. Ask them stories. You're not there to talk their ear off. You're there to listen and in the, in the opportune time, present the gospel. You're there to listen, ask questions, get to know them, build a relationship. And when the opportunity presents itself, you then begin to present the gospel. Secondly, you can ask about their church background. As you develop the conversation, hey, what's, you know, it's very simple. Hey, what's, what's going on today? Are you enjoying, you know, you're enjoying the weather? Are you enjoying whatever? Talk about their life, get their story. Well, what's your, where do you go to church? Oh, well, I haven't been to church in two or three years. Oh, really? Well, tell me about that. You know, where did you go? And you just start poking questions, ask the questions. Well, why'd you leave? And you'll find out a lot. <laughs> you can find out a lot about somebody by asking the right questions. And, uh, you know, maybe they'll tell you they left the church because somebody offended them. Oh, really? Well, what happened? I'm so sorry that happened. You know, not, uh, you know, we're not perfect. The church people aren't perfect. I'm so sorry that that happened. But I know that God loves you and has a plan for your life. Continue the presentation of the gospel. So you can, there's, you just get the conversation going. Ask, ask them questions. Diagnostic questions. I, I skip share your story uh, because in this order, I kind of jump around and we'll get to share your story in a minute. Uh, but diagnostic questions, some of the questions that you can ask someone. Uh, maybe you've asked these questions before, you've heard them before. Have you come to a place in your life where you know for certain that if you died today, you would go to heaven and how do you know? Um, the other question that most of us have probably heard or have asked, if you were to die today and God were to ask you why he should allow you into his heaven, what would be your reason? And uh, so many times people respond to those questions like, well, I was a good person. Uh, and you get to know the person's reasoning for why they think they should be allowed into heaven. And immediately you have um, something to work with. You have the, you have the foundation of how to present the gospel. If they present to you this idea of good works, then you can come at it the good works. And what does the scripture say about good works? If they tell you they're a good person and all of those things. So you, you have the, the um, ability to come at them with scripture and teach them what scripture says and tell them what scripture says uh, regarding their, their misconceptions about heaven. It's also interesting, as you do that, you will find people who are... Um, used to be in ministry, used to be pastors, people that have left ministry, left the church. You get all of those stories and you'll find people that are hurting and broken and really just are looking for somebody to listen to them and love them where they're at. So please, 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 please do me and the kingdom of heaven a favor that when you present the gospel, you're not there to beat someone up. You're not there to judge them or criticize them or critique them or tell them what they need to do different. 
Nobody wants to hear that, and that's not, that's not godly anyway. We never see Jesus doing that. You know, it's interesting if you take a look at Jesus' conversation with the woman at the well. What a great masterpiece of an evangelistic interaction. I mean, here's this woman uh, who is hurting, who's broken. She's got, you know, all these men in her life. She's known around town. You know, the Bible says that when she went back into town, she said, come meet the man that told me everything I'd ever... Everybody knew who she was. You know, she had a reputation that preceded her, if you know what I mean, and not a, probably a good one. Um, you know, she was in a lot of hurt, a lot of re rejection, all of these things. And here's Jesus at the well saying, give me a drink. And he's, and she backs up, whoa, 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 whoa. So, you know, you're, I'm not supposed to even be talking to you. You're Jewish. And why are you talking to me? And, you know, she goes down this whole dialogue. And what an what a awesome picture of, of an evangelistic interaction with someone. That Jesus was not there to push his agenda. He wasn't there to beat her up and condemn her. He operated in supernatural ministry. He had a word of knowledge about her life and shared this word of knowledge and ministered to her through supernatural ministry, spiritual gifts. And, you know, we don't even really see her, you know, making some formal decision that I'm going to follow Christ. We really don't see that. She just goes back into town and says, come see a man that told me everything that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? You know, we always think we've got to have, you know, a thousand converts and all the, you know, lapel pins to represent those decisions. And that's not, that's not even our focus. Our focus as believers is not the results. And that wasn't even Jesus' focus with this woman. He was saying, I'm the living water. If you'll just drink of the water that I give, you'll never thirst. If you'll just drink. And he presented the opportunity and then it was then in her, her court to, and, and between her and God whether or not that she continued on in that journey. So we really don't know what happened to that woman. We don't know outside of her bringing all of her friends to Jesus. We really don't know what happened. So you don't know what that one moment, that one encounter with someone will do. That one moment, that one encounter, you may be looking for someone's life to drastically change. And that's not at all what God had planned for that situation. It might be that that person is the one that God uses to bring a lot more people to him. They're just the spark. Does that make sense? Sometimes we want the fire and God's just saying, I'm using that one moment to bring a spark to light a lot of other people on fire. Um, so be cautious and... And, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Be cautious in the Savior syndrome. You're not their Savior. You're there to present the gospel. That's it. Just love on people. Any questions so far? Okay. Y'all are a great class. And then next, ask for permission to share your story. As you develop this relationship, as you're talking, always ask for permission to go any further in preaching the gospel because you are gaining their trust. As you say, may I share my story with you? You're gaining their trust. Now, that's not required, but um, and, and you may already have the person's trust. You may already have the permission. Um, you know, as I, I was sharing a couple of weeks ago in service, you know, the, the person that, or maybe it was, I don't know when it was. <laughs> when you start teaching so much, you forget and lose track of when you said what. But um, I think it was an evangelism explosion that I said, I was sharing the story about the guy that I worked with, and he ended up in the cubicle next to me. Y'all remember that story? Well, you know, how do you handle that situation where someone stands up, and you got all your coworkers standing around you saying, my sister or cousin, whatever relative it was, 
is in, a, is in a gay lifestyle, why are they not going to heaven? Well, how do you get to heaven? Well, that's, they've just opened the door for you to share the gospel. You don't have to say, um, can I, can you, do you mind if I tell you my story? Or do you mind, you know, obviously you've got an open door, so take it, step through it. Um, any questions? Yes. Absolutely. They open the door. Yeah, absolutely. They open the door. That's a great point. Um, now I want to talk to you about how you present the gospel and just give you some tools. There's a lot of resources and a lot of tools and tips on how to present the gospel. In the book, it goes through a whole process. And I actually thought it was a pretty complicated process. So I changed it up a little bit. So when you read chapter 3, chapter 3 will look a little bit different than what I'm sharing with you. Just because I try to simplify things because I'm a dummy. And I, I need those uh, salvation for others, for dummies kind of books. So um, I hope that I've done that by making this simple. I've given you four different, I think it's four, um, yeah, four different a, B, C, D. See, yep, told you. I was very simple. I have to count letters here. Um, four different ways of communicating your faith. So the first one, so everybody has your Bibles handy, so we're going to go through a lot of Scripture. Here's the point. Don't get caught up and hung up on the, on the specifics or the titles. Just get the Scripture in your belly, and when you need it, it's going to come out. So, for example, when we talk about Romans Road, don't think, I've got I've to remember every point of the Romans Road. I've got to remember four spiritual laws. If you can't remember them, that's fine. Just get the Scripture in your belly. That's the big thing. Because when you get the Scripture in, the Holy Spirit will stir up those Scriptures. And in the moment of you sharing the gospel message, you'll remember. Now, is it good to remember the ABCs of salvation? Is it good to remember the four spiritual laws? Is it good to remember all this? Absolutely. But I honestly... I can't always quote them for verbatim myself, so it's not a big deal if you can't remember all of the specifics. So the first one we're going to take a look at is the four spiritual laws. This one is, I actually like the four spiritual laws, um, and I love how the four spiritual laws start out. God loves you and has a plan for your life. That is so, that is so easy to start off a conversation with someone in presenting the gospel to say God loves you and has a plan for your life. So somebody want to read or quote John 3.16? Amen. God loves you and has a plan for your life. So that's number one. John 3.16 is a great scripture for that. Bob, what's the next scripture there under? Uh, John 10.10. You want to read that? The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Absolutely. So as you have these scriptures on the inside of you, when you start telling someone God loves you and has a plan for your life, the Bible says that not only does God love you and He has a plan for your life, but the Bible says that God has come, sent His only Son, Jesus Christ, to come in your life and give you abundant life. He wants you to have the best life, the God kind of life. Um, 
And so you just begin to share with him. And it's not about, and, and let me just pause there and say, please don't try to tell people that it's all about their possessions either. <laughs> God came not to just give you wealth and success. God came for you to have abundant spiritual life. And that's where we need to focus. Secondly, what's the second point of the, of, uh, the four spiritual laws? So the second point is about sin. That he, because of sin, humanity is separated from God. Uh, Jen, what's, what's our scripture? Romans 3.23 says? Absolutely. And so you'll notice this, Romans 3.23 comes up a lot. So obviously you want to remember Romans 3.23 if y'all haven't already. So sin separates us from God. Now I, I don't think that tonight I need to have a, have a uh, doctrinal class on salvation. Uh, I think we're all understanding how sin separates us, but Christ becomes the propitiation. Christ became our sacrifice. So Romans 6.23 says... Awesome. See, y'all are doing wonderful. You already got this. You don't, you don't need me. You've got the scripture already in you. The Holy Spirit comes in those moments and he teaches us and shows us what we ought to say in those times. You just got to have the scripture in you. Uh, number three, the third point of the spiritual law, the four spiritual laws. Brad, what's number three there? Jesus Christ is God's provision. Somebody have 1 Corinthians 15? For what I have received, I pass on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Can you pop that in there? Sorry. Verse 4. Awesome. So Christ became the firstborn, died for us, and rose again. Message of the gospel. Next verse is John 14, 6. Who's got that? Say it a little louder. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Amen. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So Jesus is, Jesus is the only way. And then the fourth point of the, uh, or the fourth spiritual law. Faith in Christ. So recognize this, that if, if you tell someone that Jesus Christ is the way, but you never say to them, you must put your faith in Christ, you're not telling them the full gospel message. So you can tell people that they're sinners all day long, and most of the people are going to know that. Even the drunks on Bourbon Street know that they're sinners and going to hell. Most people recognize that. In their heart of hearts, they know that they're a sinner. But what they don't know is how, that change, how to change and get off that path. What they, what they don't know is how to get on the narrow path with Christ. They know, they know that they're a sinner, but they need the hope of the message of the gospel. So don't, you know, a lot of people, um, you're going to hell signs. You know, we've all seen those, heard those, you're going to hell. Well, that's great. I know I'm going to hell without Christ. I've got that. I'm a sinner. But give me hope. Give me hope. And if you take any, if you, if you forget everything else that I say, take away tonight this fact. Give people hope. Don't beat them up. Give them hope. Okay. Um, so John 1.12. Go ahead, Joe. Uh, but as many as 
awesome. So we put our faith in Christ. And, and read that verse again, Joe, just, just real quick. But as many as received him to them, he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Oh, it's off again. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. He gave them the right, he gave them the ability, the authority, the power to become children of God. You know, you, you and I don't know who it is that God has begun to convict and draw in. We're not, you know, we believe in the sovereignty of God. I believe that, that God knows as Jesus prayed, I know who... Uh, who are you've given me? I know who the Father has given me. He knows. He knows those. And a lot of people have trouble with. And I, I'm not here to debate predestination and all that stuff. But here's my take on all this. Jesus, God is outside of time, right? He knows. He's in the eternity, eternity past. He's in the present. He's in the future. He's outside of our control and constraints of time, right? So ultimately. God's in the future and already knows by the sake of just being, by default, being in the future, knows who are His in the future, right? So we really are the ones that strive over, is, you know, is it, you know, is I, am I predestined, am I not predestined? We're the ones striving over all of it. I don't think God really cares. I think God already knows and He's got it all handled. It's us that got to get caught up. So... Regardless of all that, at the end of the day, we don't know. We're limited. Our time frame is limited. We don't know who God, who, who is going to be born again at the end of the time. We don't know who, who's part of the bride of Christ and who's not. I mean, I don't. Do you? I don't know who's, who's going to live this thing out and who's God's transforming. And so it's my responsibility then to evangelize, proclaim the message of the gospel, uh, how shall they hear unless their preacher goes? You know, I, it's my job to preach and proclaim the gospel and minister to people and allow God to do His work in people's lives. And so He's given the ability to people to become children of God because of the work of the Holy Spirit in their life, the, the conviction, the drawing of the Holy Spirit, drawing them in. We can't be saved unless the Father draws us. So that's the work of the Holy Spirit. So I don't know who the Holy Spirit's working on. I don't know who the Holy Spirit's convicting and dealing with, but it's my job to sow the seed of the gospel and the Holy Spirit does the rest. Who knows that that person that you go to and say, God loves you and has a plan for your life, the Holy Spirit's already been dealing with them and convicting them about their sin. Maybe somebody else in their life has said, hey, I'm praying for you that you would know Christ and then you're rightly timed. God's placed you rightly timed in their life to speak that word. So, anyway, does all that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, you reach people where they're at. Everybody's at a different place. And some are, some are going to feel like they're great, they're good, they've done it all, they're good people. 
they're still going to hell, and you have the others who have done everything wrong and have no reason to go to heaven, but that's awesome. Romans Road. So this, this again, is a walk through Romans, getting the scripture and using important. Romans 3.23, again. Right. Somebody want to read Romans 3.10 through 18? Say it again. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not Not one. one. Not one. So all have sinned. All have fallen short of God's glory. We've all sinned. So that's point one. Point two is that God offers us the free gift of salvation. Romans 6.23. For the... Awesome. So again, we're taking a walk through Romans. Christ is the way to salvation. Romans 5.8. Anybody have that? Sinners, Christ died for us. Start over. <laughs> but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Awesome. Christ is the way to salvation. Romans 10.9. Anybody know that? Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 13. 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Yep. Awesome. We're walking through Romans. Romans 5.1. The result of salvation. 5.1. Who's got that? Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. Who's got Romans? We all probably know Romans 8, 1, but who wants to read it? There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we all know Romans 8, 38 and 39, right? What can separate? I'm waiting for you. <laughs> I, I saw you turning in your Bible, 3839. I should know what it is. Let me find it here. It's one of my daddy's favorite verses. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, nor height or depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Now, here's the thing about using these scriptures. If you're like me, I have a hard time memorizing anything. So there's nothing wrong with having these scriptures on index cards, in your Bible, in your purse, whatever. And when you begin to minister someone, pull them out. Matter of fact, we'll talk about in, in the coming weeks about using a script. And having a script that you read from to present the gospel. There's nothing wrong with that. Thousands, hundreds of thousands of people have gotten born again by someone reading a script uh, to them about the salvation uh, that's available. So there's nothing wrong with that. Don't ever feel like you've got to be some super spiritual guru in order to share your faith. Start simple. Matter of fact, I would, I would imagine that people who see you, if you say, I'm practicing getting this all down right and making sure I say it right, so I've got it here on a script. Do you mind if I read this to you? This is what God's doing in my life, and I'd like to share it with you. I think most people can respect that. 
They don't feel threatened. Yeah, absolutely. Simple. Piece of paper. Yeah. Yep. So we'll and we'll cover that in a couple of weeks, um, and maybe yeah, two or three weeks on uh, using scripts. But it's it is effective. Um, ABCs of salvation. A is admit, admit, admit what that you are a sinner. <laughs> Um, most people don't want to admit that. <laughs> and so that's the first step in the process. Romans 3.23, we've all sinned. Romans 3.23 should be etched in your brain. <laughs> it's one of those John 3.16 kind of verses. B is believe in Jesus. Now, this is important. It's who are you putting your faith in? Remember, you can know that Jesus is the way, but there has to be action. You have to begin to put your faith into, believe in Jesus Christ, John 3.16. And then C. Now this is, this is where some people get tripped up. What are you confessing? You're confessing... You're confessing faith, yes. You're confessing your faith. You're believing in Christ, and you're confessing Christ. You believe in Christ, you're confessing Him as your Lord. There's a public confession of Christ as Lord and Savior. Um, confessing sin, yes, we're going to confess our sin, but and that's a lot of sin. You know, you say to someone, you've got to confess all your sin. My first thought is, i got to sit with the priest and walk through. You tell me. So yes, you're confessing though, and the emphasis, you're going to confess Christ as your Savior. Um, the Bible says that no one can call Jesus, Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. And so that's what we need people to do. We need them to confess Jesus as Lord, the Holy Spirit at work in their life. Amen? And then the other, the other uh, simple one here that we use a lot with kids, and it's easy to do with adults as well. You can wear one of these bracelets. There's the beaded bracelets. If you want to wear a beaded bracelet, somebody says, hey, what's the beaded bracelet? Oh, I'd love to tell you. Um, have you all seen those? You know what I'm talking about? Okay. The colors of salvation. So black is sin. So we've all sinned. We've all come short of the glory of God. The red is the blood of Jesus. Romans 5.8. We read that earlier. Blue is for water baptism. White is the purity. He's going to make you white as snow. Green. You're going to grow. Let's actually read that scripture. 2 Peter 3.18. Because we haven't read that one yet. Anybody have that? Second Peter three eighteen. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory, both now and forever. So, I like the colors because it emphasizes water baptism. Of course, we're not saved by water baptism. I actually had someone mention that to me this morning, because I was water baptized. I got set free, and I said to them, well, I do believe that God can do supernatural things through water baptism, but, but God sets us free. Water baptism is the outward proclamation of that freedom. You know, God can do supernatural things in our lives through water baptism and will minister to us through water baptism, but it is a declaration of what God is doing inwardly. Um, so we want to encourage people to be water baptized, but a lot of people will say, because I was water baptized, I'm going to heaven. Well, that's not necessarily true. <laughs> you know, water baptism is a proclamation of what God's done in our lives. 
it doesn't save us. Um, so it's important to make that distinction. And then we need to encourage people to get water baptized. It make make the, pro, the proclamation, make the declaration public that you're following Jesus. And then yellow is gold. Gold in heaven. So you're going to heaven. So you're on this journey. You walk them from the black to the gold. The other thing about grow too, of course, we want to emphasize discipleship. You know, God's going to change your life. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have it all together. So on. Now, after you've presented the gospel, whatever, whatever means you take to present the gospel, then you walk on into the commitment. This is where we drop off a lot as Christians when we're sharing our faith. We tell them the gospel. We tell them our story. We tell them how, how the gospel has changed our lives, how Jesus has changed us, transformed us. We get them all the way to the point of commitment, and we stop. So I want to encourage you to have the boldness to ask the people to make a commitment. If you go to, uh, and we're not, we're not used car salesmen, but if you go to a car lot and you, or, or wherever, you're going to make a deal, you're going to buy something, they're always going to ask you what at the end of that conversation. Are you ready to buy or can I, how can I help you purchase this, all those things. And so they're looking, when, you, when they come to you, or you go to them, they're looking to make a deal before you leave. And we have to have the same mindset that we are, we are not salesmen, of course, but we are looking to see people born again. We're looking to close the deal, so to speak, with people when we're presenting Christ. Um, one of the questions that I often ask um, and use is, what would keep you from receiving Christ today? What would keep you from making a decision for Christ today? And what that does is it gives you very clear insight as to what roadblocks you have to overcome with that person. Because they're going to say to you, they're going to think about, well, I really don't have any reason. Or they're going to say, well, I really don't know. You know, And they'll give you some sort of reason or roadblock that's keeping them from making that decision. So you can come back around and bring clarification with Scripture with it. Stick to the basics. Don't get into you know, arguments and debates about what you believe or what you stick with the basics. Jesus has come to save you. You are a sinner in need of a Savior. You got to stick to the basics. Jesus saves. He wants to transform your life. And, and don't get into all the frivolous things. Some people will try to draw you in. Uh, and their roadblock that they present will tell you oftentimes that they're trying to tie you into a debate. And it's very simple to say, you know, I appreciate that concern. But the, the reality is we're all sinners. I'm a sinner, you're a sinner, and you just bring it right back around. We're all sinners, and we need Jesus Christ to be our Savior. Just keep circling the mountain. The other thing, too, that you have to ask for clarity sometimes or, or think about when people say you're judging me. And again, you want to stick to the simple. You don't want to go in frivolous things. But, but you, there's a semantics here that's at play that we've, in our post-Christian society, everybody thinks Christians judge them. So the, the question then is what, is, what do you feel is judging? Are you, are you saying that you feel like we're judging you because 
I'm telling you that you're going to hell without Christ, because that's really not judgment. That is truth. Judging is sitting around and saying that you're a horrible person and, you know, blah, 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 blah. I'm going to gossip about you and make this big whole, you know, it's a lot more involved. But for me to sit and tell you that you're going to hell without Christ is truth. It's reality. And so it's understanding, you know, that term judging. Um, am 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 I making a favorable decision or am I choosing to like someone over you or give someone favor over you because you're a sinner and I don't like you because you're a sinner and so I'm going to hang out with, talk to, like this person better and show favoritism, that's judgmental. You know, that's not, obviously that's not godly. <laughs> but, for, but to judge and to say right and wrong, you're, the reality is you're going to hell. If that makes you uncomfortable, it should. So being able to come back to the person and say, if, if you're saying that I'm judging you because I'm telling you you're going to hell without Christ, it ought to make you uncomfortable. That's the message of the gospel. We're all going to hell. I'm going to hell. You're going to hell. Jesus came to redeem us and to transform us. We don't have to go to hell. That was why Jesus died. Does that make sense? So that's kind of the, you know, don't go off in the frivolous things. Because a lot of people like to do that, especially depending on their background. They've, you know, you, then you have to understand people have been fed a lot of lies. Uh, they've believed a lot of lies about the church. And, you know, they have a lot of personal baggage, hurts, all those things that you've probably already heard by having your introduction time with them. And so you already know going into this some of those hurdles. Um, does that help? I hope I'm... Yes, sir? I would ask them, why, why are they telling you that? So his question was, um, how do you handle someone that is saying there's no God or Jesus doesn't exist or those kind of questions? I would ask them, why are they asking you that? Because if you're sitting having a conversation with them and you're presenting Christ to them, again, you can get in all the semantics. And depending on the person and the conversation and all of those things, you can do that. You can get into apologetics and all that stuff depending on the person. Uh, but if you're just generally out soul winning, avoid all of the. I want you just so everybody can hear you. When I got saved, I didn't believe there was a God. So for me, and I was a very logical person, and so for me, I had to look at all the evidence when there was so much scripture, so many things that documented what was going to happen in the New Testament. That's the, oh, that was the thing that convinced me. And that's one of the things that, that God's really put on my heart is I need to, I need to go back and read that and learn it again because yeah. right now it's emotional. I feel God. Yeah. You know, from, for a lot of people, they get saved. They feel the presence of God. They're so excited. For me, I had to find the logic and then the go back and get the heart. Yep. Yeah. It's awesome. It's awesome. 
if you're, you know, if you're in those personal situations, of course, as Tony's describing, if you're in a relationship with someone, you have the opportunity to go a little bit deeper than you would if you're on the street ministering to someone uh, or going up to someone randomly. Encourage that. Encourage the Scripture. Know the Scripture. And that's all important. You need to know the Scripture. But I would encourage you, too, to avoid the, the debates, if, if you're not com- especially if you're not comfortable dealing with debates. Um, you know, some people are good. Some people have a gift for, you know, Tony's logical person. Some people are very... <laughs> So, so there are some people who are good at the logical questions and the apologetics and things like that. Leave that to the apologetics. Stick to Jesus saves, um, and encourage them to encourage them to read the scripture. Encourage them to study. Yeah, and share your story. And that's what we're getting to in a minute. Share your story. Would that, would that be similar to uh, your ministering to somebody that is of a different? Mm-hmm. Okay. Doesn't change. Share. Stick to the scripture. I've uh, I've said uh, okay. Here's your first prayer. I want you to raise your fist and shake it at God and say, "Prove it to me." But then your responsibility is to start to read to find the answers. Yep. That's good. Yeah. The um, moving along here, sharing your story will really help with a lot of that because people can't debate your story, your personal experience. And so if you stick to Scripture and your personal experience, that will help avoid some... I, and you can say, I don't know how to answer that. All I can tell you is what I've experienced with God. I don't know how to give you all of those details. Go read the Bible. <laughs> Go study it. But I, don't, I, I can't uh, deviate from what God's done in my life. And we'll talk about sharing your story here in a second. Yeah. Encourage them with the new uh, people to uh, share their faith. And some of them have never done that. And so I take them to Romans or Revelation 12:11, where it says that uh, the only thing that they had to stand up against Satan was the power of the Holy Spirit and the word of their testimony. And when the word of the testimony engages the power of the Holy Spirit, that's where the power comes from. So he doesn't ask you to have somebody else's testimony. He just needs yours, and he can do the rest. Awesome. So they can walk in there unafraid, even the first time. (laughs) Awesome. You're fine. The thing with sticking sticking to our own testimony, sticking to the scriptures that we know, is the world is so tired of hearing Christians give these super spiritual, super prophetic, but they don't even, you don't even know what you're talking about yourself. So what are you, what are you really trying to give? And so it really is stick to the basics, stick to what you know, stick to your experience and keep going around about it. Jesus was enough to save you. So your experience is enough for whoever you're sharing it with. Yeah. And that's, if you look at the New Testament, you look at the ministry of the apostles, they weren't giving spiritual debates when they were ministering. They were flowing in the, in the supernatural power of God, and they stuck to their experience with Jesus. They stuck to the Word, they stuck to Scripture, and their experience with Jesus, and that's what we ought to do. So when sharing your story, let me, let me actually back up and say this. When you pray with someone, not everyone's going to make a decision. We want everyone to make the decision. Ask them to make a decision, and then... Um, after you pray with them, again, there's no magical prayer. We all know this. Pray them. Lead them in a prayer. Um, 
admitting they're a sinner, believing on Jesus Christ, and confessing him as Lord. That's simple. Do that, and then make sure you pray. With, okay, can I pray for you? Before we go, can I pray for you? And then pray for them. And I would encourage you, um, ask them, can I, can I put my hand on you and pray for you? Laying hands on people, and we'll, I'm going to do a Sunday morning series on this soon, on the anointing and understanding the anointing, and we'll talk about spiritual gifts and stuff soon. But there's, there's power in laying on of hands. It's not, you're not laying hands on them to bless them. You're going out to minister to people. There ought to be Holy Ghost power residing in you. And when you put your hand on that person, they feel the presence of God. There's something that comes on them when you put your hand on them. Make sense? So ask them, can I put my hand on you and pray for you? Most people are going to say yes. They're going to have no clue what you're doing anyway. <laughs> so um, little do they know they're getting something. <laughs> So we're going to pray together. Lord, I thank you. And you're going to take authority and you're going to begin to pray for them and impart. Lord, I thank you for Bob. (laughs) And you lay hands on them and pray for them. And uh, then follow up. Give them assurance. Encourage them. Okay, this is what has happened. There's a party in heaven. We're, We're rejoicing with you. Hey, I... Are you free this Sunday? Can you come to church with me on Sunday? I'll pick you up. We'll go to lunch after. Take them, you know, nobody turns down free food. You know, get them, get them here. Take them out to lunch after. Get them in a small group. Hey, why don't you come with me? We have a group called Next Step, and this is for everybody's awareness. We have a, we have a class that meets on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. in the Next Step room. Um, Matt Reed teaches, and it's the basics of, of what we believe, the foundations of our faith. And it's great, I mean, it's great for anybody. If you've, even if you've been born again for a long time, you should take the class as a refresher of what you believe. And uh, so that happens on Sunday mornings. That's what that class is for. New believers, people who are new to the church, want to know what we believe, that's a great class. Hey, why don't you come with me in Next Steps, and, and I'll uh, introduce you to people in our church. Get them connected, get them plugged in. It's great that you love soul winning. This is, this is the other thing that I see a lot in this generation. Um, Young adult age, youth age, well, you know, let's go out and win souls. And, and, and there, it's all very nebulous. It's all very nebulous. There's no concrete tying into the local church. When people are not tied into the local church, it makes me very, 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 very nervous. <laughs> the lo- God has always used his local church. He always uses the local church. Anybody that operates outside of the local church is in a great place with a big target on them for the enemy to just take them out. And there's no accountability. There's no leadership. There's no discipleship. It's a scary place to be. So being connected, you know, it's, we had a, some folks here a couple weeks ago. Hadn't been, the guy hadn't been here, hadn't been in church, any church for three years lives right down the road, hadn't been in any church for three years, reached out to him, reached out to him, people reached out to him, loved him, you know, all of it was great, called that, Pastor Joe called him that week, hey, you come to church on Sunday, no, my wife and I just decided it's just not time for us to come to church, in any church, and so when he was here, I talked to him, and he was all spiritual, gave me every verse, I mean, he was, you know, spiritual, you know, guru, and, um, you know, when you, when you hear that, and then you hear combined with that, but I haven't been in church in three years. Well, where have you been, buddy? <laughs> what you been doing? And then to come back and say, oh, we're not gonna, I'm not going to go to church. I don't need to go to church. 
So it's important that you, you, when you're in that place, you have a big bullseye on you, ready at any moment to take you out. So it's important. Get people connected. And I'm not even just saying this church. Get them in a church. Get them in a church. It's huge. Um, so follow-up's key. Here's your homework. We didn't get to do this in, in class, so we'll do, this, uh, we'll do this in class. You'll have two weeks to finish this. Next week we have some um, Reinhard Bonnke videos on operating in the anointing and uh, in ministry to others, supernatural ministry. Great videos I think you'll enjoy. Um, so don't, don't not come just because we're showing videos. I'm trying to incorporate other materials so that you get a wide overview of, of evangelism. But in the meantime, you'll have two weeks to finish this. The, the following week, we'll go over this. I want you to write your story. Think about what God's done in your life and write it down. And write it down so that it fits on a piece of paper. You don't want to write a story that's going to take you an hour to share. <laughs> you'll lose them. Yeah. <laughs> Summarize it very simple in a, in a page. Write your story. And you may be saying, well, I know my story. Write it down. Write it down because it's totally different when you go to share it and you have written it down and you know your story, you know what you're going to share. So write your story down and we're going to, you have two weeks, so not next Sunday but the following Sunday, I think it's the 14th, June 14th, um, we'll meet again and use those stories. And Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so awesome.